everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of Talking Marijuana. We are your hosts. I'm Barry Kramer. I am the patient operator of California Patients Alliance. We're a GLACA-approved dispensary here in the city of Los Angeles on Melrose. Come and visit us if you're a patient. And I'm Yami Bolaños. I'm the patient operator for Pure Life Alternative Wellness Center that's located on La Cienega for one more week. <laughs> um, and I'm also the president and founder of GLACA, the Greater Los Angeles Collectives Alliance, setting the standard for medical marijuana in the city of Los Angeles since 2006. And in studio with us today is... Hello, I'm Don Duncan, the California Director of Americans for Safe Access. And I'm Dan Gabriel, comedian and marijuana enthusiast. And we are your hosts of Talking Marijuana, and today we are going to be speaking with Steve Elliott. Uh, he is a Washington advocate. He uh, writes for Tokesignals.com. It is a great website. You should get over there and see what Steve's talking about in Washington. And uh, among other uh, publications that he uh, that he. Uh, writes for with. and is involved with. Steve, welcome to the show today. You're Thank you. Glad to be here. You are our first uh, Skype, Skype guest, yes. so uh, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> trying out the technology <laughs> with us. Uh, I was saying to you before the show, we're all over 20, so, you know, for us to deal <laughs> with the technology, it took us a few shows to catch up, um, but we're here and so happy to be able to talk with you about uh, the situation in Washington, Washington and what's been going on. Let's us right into, into it, it yeah. and uh, do you want to sum up where we are in, in, in Washington? Do you want to start with that, and then maybe we'll we'll delve into some You of need the to remember that people, a lot of people don't know what's going on in Washington, so you have to, like, you know, set it up. So and we'll prep understand. it for, our, for, our, uh, for our, our listeners by just saying, you know, we know Washington is coming online in January. On January 1st, we will have legal, uh, legal marijuana not medical marijuana, legal marijuana for adult use in the state of Washington. and the So everything's perfect there, right? <laughs> uh, that would be great if everything were perfect. Uh, we are uh, working with a developing situation here. What happened basically was the legalization of recreational marijuana was approved by voters under Initiative 502, last year in November 2012. Now, it goes to show that there is a lot of public popular support for the idea of legalization that this measure passed because it wasn't the best written initiative in the world. A lot of us at the time had concerns that it could negatively impact safe access for patients because of some of the language in it and the way it was written. And some of those concerns are turning out to have been well-founded. Yes. I-502 gives control of the recreational marijuana market, implementation of marijuana legalization, to the Washington State Liquor Control Board. Now, that is fine as far as it goes, if that's the way the law is written. However, Despite the fact that before the election, patients and patient advocates were told this is a separate system for medical marijuana and it won't impact safe access for patients. After the election, the legislature decided to turn medical marijuana as well as recreational marijuana over to the Liquor Control Board. The Liquor Control Board was tasked with coming up with some recommendations for bringing medical marijuana, quote unquote, into compliance with recreational marijuana rules. So the idea that was floated before the election, that these would be separate systems of access and that patient access would not be affected, was quickly abandoned after the election. And now we have the Liquor Control Board recommending that uh, patient home growing which they have been able to do for 15 years now since the medical marijuana law passed back in 1998 be cut out. That patient collective grows, which popularly known as dispensaries, also be cut out. That the system through which new conditions be added to the list of authorized conditions for which medical cannabis may be used be stopped from adding new conditions that no more be added and that patients have a statewide registry and if they don't register on it they won't have arrest protection those are the basic parts of the liquor control board's recommendations 
and those are the ones to which patients have expressed the uh, biggest objections. Well, Steve, those are terrible recommendations. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. That's the absolutely the wrong direction to go. Mm -hmm. And they're taxing. They're gonna. They're wanting to tax the patients at the same level as the recreational users. Correct. Yes, and that unfortunately happens to be a rather high level. Yeah. According to I five hundred two, marijuana gets taxed twenty five percent at each of three mm -hmm. stages. Uh, at the growing, at what they call the processing, which of course is the curing. And then at the retail level, that's 25% of each of those for, you know, 75% total plus regular sales taxes. So that is pretty heavily taxed, more so than any other consumer product. And uh, patients, many of them very marginal patients, of course, very limited income, since by definition under Washington's medical marijuana law, one must have a terminal or debilitating illness to qualify. Many patients are so marginal economically that they couldn't afford these store prices and the fact that Washington's law has home growing written into the medical marijuana law has been the only thing that has uh, been able to keep them in meds otherwise they wouldn't be able to afford the price right. of it. That, that is so important uh, to be self-sufficient is to be able to grow your own medicine it really is uh, I think the heart of the medical cannabis movement and it's under attack uh, nationwide you know in Arizona uh, uh, we've seen efforts to roll back the uh, effort to the, the ability to cultivate your own medicine and it's uh, it, it's coming up in California now uh, our California appellate court just ruled that cities and counties can ban cultivation even home cultivation by patients and so uh, this is a fight we're gonna have all over the country I, I believe that home cultivation is absolutely critical for all patients absolutely yeah and the fact that many patients especially those who must use concentrates, oils of various kinds, need to grow their own to have the quantity of material that is needed for their medicine. Their medicines. Mm -hmm. And control over it, you know, that to, to, you know, you can grow your own vegetables, you should be able to grow your own, own cannabis. Is there a body of people or an organization of some sort or a group of people that are fighting against this? I mean, in an organized way? I mean, when we read, well, I read all this stuff about, you know, you used to be able to carry 28 ounces, now you can only do three. I mean, they have really, really slammed the patient. You know, the patient ones that laid the groundwork for use, I mean, right? And now, because legalization won in, in Washington, the patients are the, the victims. They're the stepping stones that were used to get to a situation where it, it seems like, to me, economics is the big thing. They just want the money. They don't care yeah, about that's, anything that's but that. That's a big part of what it's about is money. Uh, you, uh, you know, Steve, I, I hope you're familiar with a coalition campaign that ACE is a part of called Health Before Happy Hour. Uh, which is something we may be rolling out across the country. Uh, you know, and that's one effort. What else is going on in, in Washington to push back on this? There are several groups here that are pushing back on behalf of patients. I would like to see a more unified front, but of course, as, as you guys know, yeah. that's all. It's like hurting cats, right? Yes. Uh, there's one group called the Cannabis Action Coalition, headed by Mr. Steve Sherrits, that has done a lot of energetic work on behalf of patients here. And I've seen them do some really good work. I, I think it's really important that we point out that, uh, as you guys just did, that patient limits are also being attacked, mm -hmm. where we have the right under uh, the medical marijuana law to have 24 ounces, that they are cutting that, are trying, recommending that we cut that down to three ounces. And of course, our 15 plant grow limit here, 15 plants any size, any stage, they're cutting that to zero. Oh my God. So, yeah, so that is that just, just unacceptable. People who have been allowed to grow their own medicine for 15 years overnight will become criminals. And, and it's just unacceptable to think about some of these very sick people being carried out of their homes simply for growing their own medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. Me, and it's a, it's a terrible uh, uh, path to go down for the state. Uh, there has to be this a consciousness on the path, path, part of lawmakers that patients are not the same as customers, that they have special needs. And, uh, you know, I never want to say a bad word about legalization because I don't think anybody should go to jail for any cannabis offense. But, uh, um, but at the same time, we also have to remember that medical cannabis patients have needs that have to be respected in all of this. And I, uh, I'm so disappointed to see uh, the, the, the rule makers in Washington lumping everyone together. And I hope that's a trend that's going to stop, but I'm afraid it's not. I'm afraid we're going to see that all over the country. Well, I'm afraid so too, and I, I think the crux of the problem is something that we were told by members of the Liquor Control Board at a public input meeting last month. 
here in Washington. A lot of the patients showed up for this meeting, of course, because we're very concerned about what is being done right. to mm -hmm. this community. And at that meeting, we were told by the Liquor Control Board that it is inconvenient to have two parallel side-by-side -side systems, that is the recreational and the medical Inconvenient for who? Yeah. Right, and uh, we were also told that it would negatively impact profitability of the state stores under I-502 for patients to be able to go get untaxed medicine from dispensaries. Therefore, the dispensary system needed to be shut down. So basically, we were told for reasons of profit and convenience that the medical marijuana system is being shut down. And in my mind, those aren't good reasons. No, to no they're not. No. I think your mind is working correctly there. Let, <laughs> let, me, ask a, let me ask a question, because uh, January 1, this, uh, am I right in January 1, their recommendations would become law? Because that's the when your program starts. The legislature has a January session coming up, and what they're supposed to do is take those recommendations from the Liquor Control Board and work those into a new medical marijuana law. Oh, wow. Now, what they do with those recommendations, that's anybody's guess. They don't have to take them word for word. They can amend those. They can hopefully make them better for patients. But they could just rubber stamp what the liquor control. Right, which many unfortunately that happens all the time, do. right? They've, We've yeah. seen it in yeah. so. The much people of our that are, are the ones making the decisions—is there any medical marijuana patients involved in the decision making? Is there anyone that's representing the the rights and and you know the of the medical marijuana patients? Anyone at all? Only from the outside, and this is what is so distressing to me: is that when this group of policy specialists got together and brainstormed these recommendations, there wasn't a medical marijuana patient in the room. Right. There yeah, wasn't an authorizing physician for medical marijuana patients in the room. It would seem to me that each of those groups needed to have someone there to keep these recommendations at least somewhat reality-based mm -hmm. rather than this absurd set of recommendations that they came up with. Yep. It's part of what we see, I think, uh, endemically uh, across all legislatures. Right. Once we once we get into the government, the people that are make they're actually making the decisions are not being informed by a, a, a by the people that it impacts. Yeah, yes. the, by the people that it impacts. It's, uh, every place we go, that's the issue, right? That the, the people need are, are not in it, and government's not set up to accommodate us, right? You know, like they don't make it easy right. to plug they're in. Not you like, know, hey, that, who's being affected by this law? Let's call them all. There's in no advance, no a little advance notice, whatever's required by law of these meetings. The process is closed. It's often very insular. Uh, um, if there's a, a committee meeting where they're going to debate this stuff, it happens at you know 11 a.m. on a weekday uh, when when people are at work yeah. or otherwise uh, committed, and so. Uh, the process of government isn't set up, and that's why uh, I always encourage people to really be proactive in in becoming an advocate and learning your skills right. and figuring out how government works because they're not going to help you do this. Right. You have to do it yourself. You do it uh, one thing that people can use if you're listening and thinking, I want to be more active, is go to our website. There's a free online training center on our website where you, it, uh, you can get some very basic, some rudimentary skills in, in citizen advocacy because, man, like lawyers, lobbyists, consultants, they're not going to solve this. It's, it's going to be people. Uh, where will they find that? What's the website? Americansforsafeaccess.org. And then is there a specific... Click on the advocacy tab and, and, and uh, it's, it's all right there. Um, that's the kind of thing we're going to have to do in Washington and the other states, I think, to, to solve the problem like this is that um, people are going to have to stand up and, and be vocal with their lawmakers because ultimately the burden falls to lawmakers, right? And Steve, you're so right that it's uh, it seems to be in our, in our cause uh, for all the years that I've been in it. it I, I've wished that organizations could work in concert together, together but we have so many... <laughs> disparate organizations all trying very hard to do the right thing by their constituencies, but somehow we're not a unified but voice in that unity. You know where that unity can exist is with the with patients, with the patient community. Absolutely. Um, it should and, exist. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, whatever whatever lapel pin they wear, um, there can be that unity there. Are the patients be. riled up, Steve? Is, is there a significant amount of people, you know, saying what the hell? You know what? Before we find out about that, Steve, we're going to take a quick break. It's a great cliffhanger to leave our, <laughs> okay. our three listeners with. And uh, when we come back, we'll answer the question of whether there's a, a good patient uh, uh, base there that's uh, helping to push back on this. And hang with us for just a moment, Steve. And uh, you at home, hang with us through this uh, station identification. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. <laughs> Thank you.
Upcoming shows to the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Welcome to FYI. It's Dimitri Young here with Robert Fick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Marijuana. Hi, everybody. Crabman's Rock and Roll Revival featuring Frazier Smith is on the air, in your hair, and going out everywhere around the world. I'm Gary Garver, live from the John Lovitz Comedy Club. This is the John Lovitz Podcast Network. Hi, John Lovitz here. It's time to put laughter back into your life. Check out the John Lovitz Comedy Club, located in the heart of Universal Studios CityWalk, Los Angeles, not Orlando. For tickets, go to the John Lovitz Comedy Club.com. You are listening to the John Lovitz Podcast Network. And we are back uh, with our guest, Steve Elliott, in Washington via Skype. Um, he is an advocate for um, medical marijuana patients in Washington and is fighting uh, the state liquor board, which is recommending that the medical marijuana program in Washington be folded into the legalization program, thereby losing many rights for patients. It's, I think it's ridiculous to, that the liquor board is put in charge of this anyway. It's right. like getting a, a well, football mm-hmm. ref to call a basketball game. Right. It, in, a, in, a, in a sense, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what the grand experiment is about. Mm-hmm. We've now got Colorado and Washington on the map as <clears> the first legal uh, states, and the rest of the country is looking to them. And you... you Steve, you in Washington are uh, regulated in a very different way than Colorado is about to be recu- regulated, and probably different than the next two or three states that uh, come on, probably, on board. Probably, I would say this about legalization advocates who are who are pushing the national agenda to, to legalize marijuana. They should pay very close attention to what's happening in Washington, because a worst case PR scenario is for legalization to roll out and be perceived as uh, uh, an opposition to medical cannabis Absolutely. or in conflict. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a disaster for the messaging around legalization. Um, and that's not anything anybody wants to create. But if patients in Washington can, can, cannot get their medicine, they wind up in trouble with the law, if their rights are trampled on, that's the scenario we're setting up. And so if you're pro-legalization and you want to push that agenda, um, you better take care of medical. The difference between them has to be made clear to most exactly. everybody because I think that the general public just thinks that legalization will solve all the medical problems. Well, you know, there are many wrong. people, many people in our community, in our camp, who did look at medical marijuana and do look at medical marijuana as a stepping stone. Yeah. And they yes. need to get over that. They need to stop mm-hmm. thinking about that. It's not a means to an end. It's not a means uh, to an end. It and doesn't it, need it, to be that anymore. Belief, mm-hmm. Uh, influences policy and it influences what we tolerate as policy and so we need uh, people to stand up and say you know what I'm for legalization but I'm also for medical and it, it's not the same thing how can the board's recommendation trump a law from night from 1998 what law is that well, what they, the law that you can grow your own well Steve is it the case in Washington that legislature can amend a voter initiative is that the uh, is, is that how it works there they're not supposed to amend a voter initiative for two years, mm-hmm. but okay, so. marijuana law, since it was passed back in 1998, it's sort of open season on it. Oh. So 502 is the new kid on the block with yeah. general legalization. And by means of implementing I-502, they're going after medical, which was passed a long time that's, ago. And that's they different from California. That's different, yeah. They so can do you, anything they want to medical at this point since it's the old law. Yeah. So do you have a support? I mean, is there right. patient support? So before support? the break, yeah. we were talking about patient support in Washington. Are you? You've told about. You've told us about some organizations and some uh, some advocates that are working. Do they have a, a base of support with the patients? Like the meeting that you said you went to last month, where there was there a fairly good showing of patients and. Uh, that seems to be the way to influence our government is to show up with a number of people that are advocating for uh, for common sense. Absolutely, the patient community is is more concerned and more unified than I've ever seen it. Oh, here good, that's, that's great. That room where the meeting was held, and by the way, you guys are right that the governmental process, the public input process, often isn't that friendly to actually receiving any public input. There was only one meeting statewide for patient input on these recommendations. Wow. It was held on a weeknight, on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is a big state and patients over, say, in the eastern half of the state really didn't have any practical chance of attending if they had to go to work the next day. Sure. But in any event, this room was built to hold about 450 people and it was crowned 
with 600 Fantastic. Very that's good that's good a lot of people got up there and let the board know that these recommendations are a bad idea that you shouldn't take the right to grow away from poor mm -hmm. people from sick people who can't afford these high state store prices and that you shouldn't lower these limits you shouldn't stop the ability to add new conditions to authorizing conditions we gave them our feedback the uh the question is were they listening are they going well we've reported here if i'm not mistaken that the day after that particular uh, they meeting they came, <laughs> they came out with an announcement that wasn't announced at the meeting where input would have been valuable that yes. um, over pesticides. 300 pesticides. pesticides are going to be legal to put into <laughs> the marijuana, which should concern patients as well. I can only imagine that they waited until the day after that meeting because they would have heard plenty about those pesticides. Oh my God. A lynching. There might have been a lynching. <laughs> Many of us, of course, have compromised immune system or compromised liver function. Exactly. And it is such a bad idea to be ingesting all these pesticides mm -hmm. with our medicine. I mean, how Another reason I, for patients to be able to grow it on their own so that they exactly, know what's so you know it's yeah. in their medicine and how it's being grown. Yeah, very personally, you know, I, I'm a patient. I'm a, a liver transplant recipient. I'm a two-time cancer survivor. The amount of marijuana that I have to in, ingest in a day and the fact that there's 300 types of pesticides that could be in the medicine in Washington, I can even go visit at this point. That's how I'm looking at it, you know. It, I can't crazy. even visit Washington. The fact that they can at the same time say, look, we're going to allow them to put hundreds of pesticides on your medicine, mm -hmm. but you're not allowed to grow your own yeah. to avoid these pesticides. It's just cruel. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So to, to take the temperature a little bit of what's going on, um, again, January 1st, I believe these rules are supposed to become somewhat law. You said in January they have a, uh, a session to sort of uh, fade out the medical marijuana or discuss that and, and how to implement it in. How do you see this playing out? Do you feel like you have a good shot at influencing them to maybe just adjust? It seems to me in our, in our history of going up against government that the best you could hope for is a little cutback on their side that they understand the issue and they, they tweak they a word or two it. here to allow for some <clears throat> of what what seems to be the the better legislation but they really never give a complete reversal so what kind of pulse do you get at this point uh you know a month before this goes in do you feel like you might gain some ground here for patients my understanding is that we have a chance we have a fighting chance to save home grow for patients mm -hmm. that would be good. good that would be big I that think you know the the be. key in this is that politicians can be intimidated by voters, and I, I hope that's. And I don't mean intimidated in a bad way. They just right. need to know that Influence. voters in their district, the people who are going to reelect them, uh, are, are not on board. And I've seen that that sway uh, uh, votes before, but with both on the city, state, and federal level. But they need to hear from people in the district. And so I, I hope in Washington State that whether it be through Health Before Happy Hour, uh, which is also at, at AmericansForSafeAccess.org, or through mm -hmm. the other uh, organizations or campaigns, that people are getting active and actually talk to the lawmakers. It's one of the mistakes we make in this movement, as, as, as we all know here in Los Angeles and, and all over the country, is we talk to each other too much. Yeah. It's like we, we all reinforce our things, and we talk to each other, and we haggle with each other and argue. Talk to the lawmakers. Mm -hmm. don't, uh, don't waste your time debating minutiae with your friends. Yeah. Go out and talk to your lawmakers. In Washington, the commission, that's everybody's lobbying the commission, this commission that supposedly came up with all the, the, the liquor board, liquor board the, state liquor the commission. Board. So can you lobby your uh, representative as well, your elected official that represents your you know, um, district. district? I mean, can you lobby them and they have like the power to influence the commission in any way? Yes, we absolutely can. Since the liquor control board will be turning their recommendations over to the legislature, what we can do is to contact our individual lawmakers and tell them, look, these recommendations are a bad idea. These patient rights to grow and to possess need to be left alone. And hopefully when they take up the recommendations, they can amend them accordingly. There are also in January, on January 14th and 15th, patients and patient groups are getting together to organize 
two lobby days. Great, where good. A lot of the patients are going down to Olympia, the state capital. Oh, and that's we're going to huge. Speak. That's huge, Steve. Face Absolutely. to face with legislators. We're going to give them faces that they can uh, think about rather than just numbers mm -hmm. and statistics. That's, that's the good. best not, way to right. do it. It really that's, is. I've, I've been a part of a lot of those, and they're really empowering, and they can be very effective. So, so good work with that. That's great. And good luck with that. I, I, I really hope that we see the patients um, victorious. In and this, uh, I, I want you to know fight. that uh, ASA uh, is ready to do whatever we can. Uh, obviously, we're not the biggest organization in the country, but we want to help. Uh, did you did you have a chance to meet Steph Sher when she was there in Washington State, our executive director? I didn't get to meet Steph, but I would love to do that if I uh, get Well, she, she'll be back on the West Coast soon, and we're going to try to make that happen. I'd love that. Yeah. Can you, Don, talk a little bit about the program that you've, been, you've mentioned uh, a couple times? I, it's a I great will, name. And I want to be uh, honest with you. I'm not front lines in Washington State uh, right. because I'm busy here in California. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I'm not the best spokesperson. Health but uh, before. The <laughs> campaign is called Health Before Happy Hour. The idea is that we've got to take care of medical cannabis patients before uh, uh, we are going to strike out on a limb and, and legalize pot for everyone to smoke, you know. Right. Um, and, and by the way, ASA does not oppose legalization. It's just not our priority. It's, in mm -hmm. fact, it's not even on our radar. We're, we're here for patients. We Absolutely. were founded by patients for patients. And, and so um, our, our Health Before Happy Hour campaign, which was created in Washington uh, to respond to what's happening there, is applicable to the other states because you're seeing uh, less of this in Colorado, but it's happening in Colorado and in Arizona and New Mexico. We're seeing uh, restrictions and, and developments around non-medical cannabis proposals that are, are pushing back on patients' rights. Um, and so we're prepared to roll out this, this campaign in other states, too. And basically the idea here is that we're going to get constituents into lawmakers' offices and tell them... Um, um, uh, medical is not disposable. Medical is not a stepping stone. And we want to reinforce that message. And that's right. the goal of that campaign is to get folks into offices. It seems like that was always the, the, the unspoken and sometimes spoken thing about um, medical marijuana was that it was the stepping stone that people wanted right. to right. get in. And, you know, you were right. There are people if that want If you believe that, that, you need to update your thinking. Yeah, no you need to update your thinking. And by all means, go off and legalize marijuana. Go do it. It's a yeah, noble yeah. calling. But don't step on the patients while you do it. How's medical in Colorado doing? Um, you know, it's a funny mix. Do we have time? Are we going to go to break? Uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's do go to break. All right. And we'll talk. Go. We'll come back. We'll start to broaden the uh, conversation out to the country, and, uh, and but keep on the same topic of sure, medical sure. versus legalization. Um, and we'll see you on the other side of this uh, this break. Smoke them if you got. This is the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Upcoming shows to the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Welcome to FYI. It's Dimitri Young here with Robert Fick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Marijuana. Hi, everybody. Crabman's Rock and Roll Revival featuring Frazier Smith is on the air, in your hair, and going out everywhere around the world. I'm Gary Garver, live from the John Lovitz Comedy Club. This is the John Lovitz Podcast Network. Hi, John Lovitz here. It's time to put laughter back into your life. Check out the John Lovitz Comedy Club, located in the heart of Universal Studios CityWalk, Los Angeles, not Orlando. For tickets, go to thejohnlovitzcomedyclub.com. You are listening to the John Lovitz Podcast Network. And we are back from our break. Um, we are with our guest, Steve Elliott from Washington, an advocate from Washington working to protect patient rights in the light of uh, the new legalization that is taking place there. And... Uh, during the break, just as a quick side note, <laughs> during the break we found out that here at the beautiful John Lovett's uh, studio that we're, we're in, we love recording out of here. We're at Universal City, the John Lovett's Comedy Club, and he has a great studio here to yes, do podcasting, and uh, we're so happy to be here, but we were informed at the, uh, at the break that the Christmas party uh, that is starting to go on downstairs and outside of our studio is for the DEA. <laughs> and uh, we should be very uh, quiet when we slip out of here. <laughs> and I said, I'm only drinking legal coffee, so it doesn't really matter. If I had known, I would have brought cookies. How yeah, I know. We could We're have just going to leave some cookies. pastries and walk out the just door. Just a few edibles for your party. Have a great time. Small so they have the red, white, and blue frosting on the top. That's so, some, that's some crazy. Uh, if we have no more listeners, do they tune oh, us Oh, that had been interesting. Our listeners should just stay with us because the DEA cannot get a hold of you today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know who's um, watching. So, uh, 
when might this all go into effect in Washington when, if, let's say, nothing happens? Let's say that the legislature in January takes up their recommendations and uh, or they don't take up their recommendations and they change a few things. When, does, when do we actually have legal marijuana opening up in Washington? As far as the retail stores themselves, according to the most optimistic projections I've seen, None of those will be opening before about June at the earliest. Wow. wow. So it's a long what time. about the patients? Yeah, what do uh, patients do between January and June? Right. If the legislature decides to accept the Liquor Control Board recommendations to shut down the dispensary system and home grows, most people believe that they won't be willing to take the enormous PR black eye that they will be taking if there is a gap in access between the dispensaries closing and the state stores opening. Well, we hope so. so the yeah. belief is that they will allow the dispensaries and home grows to continue until around June when the state stores open, at which point everything will be shut down. Wow. If they wow. take the recommendation. You guys sure have a big job to do in Washington, boy. The patients really have to push back on this. This is incredibly cruel and, 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 and not fair to the patients. No, the, the state stores are completely owned and run by the state, and they, they keep all the profits. There's no private ownership of any of those facilities. They are state licensed facilities. Now there will be private people who are right now in the process of applying for the licenses to run these stores, but they will be uh, roughly comparable to state stores that sold liquor before. The Liquor Control Board during the last election before this one was divested of its authority to sell liquor in this state. Voters in Washington state basically fired the Liquor Control Board from selling liquor. So these folks were about to be out of a job until marijuana was turned over to them. You know, there's historical precedent for that in the whole prohibition of marijuana, uh, because obviously alcohol uh, was legal again, and there were a lot of cops who needed work. And Singler, wow. especially, right? Mm-hmm. He, yep. he, he, the Bureau of Narcotics was, uh, you know, they had needed something to do. Mm-hmm. And liquor was legal again, so they picked So this legislation in Washington has less to do with allowing for legal and medical cannabis than it has to do with money, politics, and jobs. And jobs. Precisely. And Don made a great, I believe it was Don made a great point just a little bit earlier. And that uh, the fact that this legalization law is flawed and is seen as causing problems for patients is very very unfortunate because of course for purposes of justice and having a free society we need legalization coast to coast now for legalization to be perceived as a negative for Mm -hmm. patients that's just incredibly unfortunate. It is. That would be it's terrible baggage, wouldn't it? It is, but if uh, I was a patient living in the state of Washington, I would have fought legalization, uh, and I'd be fighting it right now. I, well, you I know. think they were tricked, though. Well, you know, a lot of patients supported 502 because they thought it was going to be okay. Um, yes. But, you know, uh, something we also need to think about, uh, and uh, or people who are going to campaign on legalization need to be aware of, is that um, uh, there, there's always a backlash in politics, and I think there are a lot of people thinking that the legalization steamroller has started downhill, there's no stopping it now. And uh, I was just talking to some of the old timers. Uh, I shouldn't use that term. Some of my senior <laughs> activist friends uh, who were reminding me of 1979. And they said, you can't imagine what it was like in 1979. We assumed pot was going to be legal and Congress was going to vote to legalize it. It was considered a done deal. Nobody was thinking we could lose in 1979. It was, it, And that reminds me of the sentiment, this sort of irrational exuberance I feel right now around the country of thinking, Every state's going to do it. Every state with initiative will do it. Legislatures will do it. We're almost there. We're at the tipping point. And you have to be really careful. You've got to watch your flanks. Because what I'm afraid of is the backlash. And people are saying, oh, 2016, it's all over. By 2016, we could be hip deep in an anti-marijuana mm-hmm. movement in this country. Certainly an anti-medical marijuana yeah. movement. Well, uh, you know what uh, is going to fuel the flames of a, of a backlash is if people look at medical marijuana and say, I knew it. It was all a scam. Yeah. Right. It was all a trick. And that's going to help fuel that backlash. Well, and so I, I hope people are being aware of this, you know, that's outside separate. my field of work. Right. But um, they need to be aware of the fact that as we push towards legalization, every step we make, the pendulum gets ready to swing back. And we've seen it before. 1979, it looked like pot was practically legal in 1979. By 1980, 81, 82, we were in the, the absolute darkest days of the drug war.
So, um, you know, we have to be careful. Yeah. It's not always forward progress. What was it that made the difference in parents, 79? Parents were, were getting up in arms. And the, the guys I talked to about this, I won't say names on the air because I don't have permission, but some of the older activists who were very active in the 70s uh, in some of the national organizations said nobody on our side considered angry parents to be a viable constituency to influence national politics. Well, and guess what was coming up behind us? Mothers Against Drunk Driving, right. uh, 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 anti-marijuana group, I forget their name, they were all coming up. Up, and all they needed was um, the, the the lightning's flash that would ignite their movement. And what happened in 1979 in November? Ronald Reagan. Reagan yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Republican Revolution, or whatever he called it back then, was underway. And family values were in, and drugs were out, and marijuana just, just got no. rolled yeah, over. Just say, just no. say no. Just, say just no. rolled over. But on the other hand, the, the parents of the children that have autism and, 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 and all the other things, they can roll this thing well, back. They exactly. Are, they they are, are the parents. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, angry yeah. parents. Yeah. And they're angry at the states. No, see, it could go our way. Like, yes. Uh, when it comes to tipping points and all of that, we control that. Um, we, we can do that. But I want to uh, caution people who think that, you know, 502 is the medicine that Washington needs to, to get over medical and move on with legalization. Yeah. They're playing with fire. Yes, they they're are. They're playing with fire. It's um, good. It could blow up in their faces. On this issue, uh, there was uh, some news out of New Jersey this week where it, where it speaks exactly to this. Chris Christie yeah. mm -hmm. has got, there has been a, 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 an, att a, an attempt to put legislation forth that would, um, you spoke a little bit about this, Steve, that would increase the um, number of uh, symptoms, ailments that medical marijuana would be treat. legal to treat, treat with. Yes. And uh, Chris Christie just got up on his high horse and said, you know what? No. I, unfortunately, I don't have my uh, access to, to uh, the yeah. articles. But basically what he said was, um, this is exactly what I'm governor. We're not going to they want legalization. These advocates want legalization and they're not getting that under my governorship. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what goes on with with medical marijuana. We're done. Mm -hmm. And that's enough, it. enough and that's it. So yeah. I mean, completely not taking into consideration constituents. The, the, the reason this well, legislation was coming up in New Jersey was because of the parents. Mm -hmm. Once again, we get back to parents who brought forth uh, the only change that's been made in, mm -hmm. in New Jersey's medical marijuana law, and that is to allow for um, oh. for the oral uh, concentration sure, sure. for children. Right. And, uh, and so here, they now they wanted to add something that said that there was reciprocity in their in their um, right right in their program with other states that have legal marijuana and Chris Christie said no 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 yeah we I, can't have rep reciprocity well, they just want legal marijuana no they don't want legal marijuana I, they know that in Colorado there is a strain of marijuana that many parents are it, actually right? moving to Colorado to get For, they're, they're going to have to manufacture New Jersey that's the end of that uh, debate exactly. is that until federal law changes we can't move cannabis from Colorado to New Jersey. But there legally. are nine states that allow for reciprocity now in their medical marijuana. Um, that means under state law you won't get busted. That uh, means under <laughs> state law you won't get busted. We are going to have to deal with this. But um, folks in New Jersey need to be making CBD medicine in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they're, and they're, and one Not of the if reasons, the governor is going to say no to the whole idea, though. Well, they need to make it anyway because the kids need the medicine. Right. So and the governor go says it. one of the if things... If we all waited for permission... So one of the things Chris Christie said was one of the things Chris Christie said was that um, you know there's not enough there's not even patients signing up for this stuff why should I be expanding the law and then the patient advocates are saying well why should we mm -hmm. as patients pay a two hundred dollar fee to sign up for this program pay doctors expensive fees um, and then we don't have access to the medicine that we need we don't have that kind of extra money to pay for a, a, a system that basically isn't serving our needs as medical patients mm -hmm. and so there's a it's very complicated Steve as we come on board all over the country now um, and as medical marijuana has shown for the last 15 years the complications once you do get it into the legislature once you do start to make laws about it you're getting all these complications that 
because of ignorance on the lawmakers' side as to how it really is, how it works, how it's dispensed. Uh, the, these laws have become a double-edged sword for mm-hmm. uh, That's both ways. And, yeah. and, you know, the, the good news is, and, I, and, and maybe this is segueing us on to, to, to other topics, but the good news is cannabis is becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, and the more mainstream it becomes, the more people are going to understand it, and they're going to treat it like medicine. And that's the key, is that we need medical cannabis treated like medicine, not like alcohol, not like a, 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 a vice. It needs to be treated like medicine. And right. we're having that debate in Sacramento right now. I'm on my way tomorrow. I have eight ma- meetings over three days, and they're all going to say to me, oh, let's put this in ABC, the Alcohol Beverage Commission. I have to say to them, no, it's look at Washington. It's not working in Washington. It won't work here. Um, but but we're becoming mainstream. And I, you know something exciting that's happening today while we're recording this, uh, the press releases are going out, that the uh, American Herbopharmacopoeia has just published the, mm-hmm. the first mo- uh, modern monograph on cannabis. Mm-hmm. That's a, a scientific description of the cannabis plant. And the American Pharmacopoeia. Herb, American Herbal Pharmacopoeia is an organization that, in conjunction with uh, the American Herbal Products Association, uh, is is sort of fighting the good fight for herbal medicine, for complementary and mm-hmm. alternative medicines, herbal medicines. Um, they're sort of the Americans for safe access for herbal Herbs. medicine. Okay. They're the ones who've been keeping the FDA off of herbal medicine and saying, no, we can regulate this ourselves. We don't want you to clamp down and crack down mm-hmm. because herbal medicines are different. And so they're really embracing cannabis and they're sort of uh, today taking cannabis back out of the shadows and putting it back on the shelf with herbal medicine and with the huge movement for complementary and alternative medicine. Uh, 40% of Americans are involved in some way in using complementary alternative medicines instead of putting cannabis back where it was in 1937 on exactly. the pharmacy shelf as an herbal tincture mm-hmm. and a medicine. I'm really excited about yeah, it. That's it's great. kind of great. wonky, I know. Like, no, it's it like, sounds oh, like a great, great organization. They published a scientific a paper, but uh, I'm, I'm really proud to say, uh, first of all, that ASA helped fund this. We, we got the C money to get this awesome. thing going uh, back in the day. It took two years uh, to, to finally get this thing published. Um, but also, I'm really proud to say that uh, the, the, the writers and reviewers of this monograph are, are just a who's who of scientific cannabis research, including Dr. El Soleil uh, from the University of Mississippi, who, mm-hmm. as you know, is the only legal marijuana grower in the, under federal law in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I don't always see eye to eye with the policy decisions uh, that Dr. El Soleil supports, uh, He's, of, of course, uh, been very prominent in this, and that's yeah. great because mm-hmm. he's bringing the establishment with him. But I'm also really proud of the fact that our executive director, Steph Sher, is also uh, on the board of reviewers. And, no, it's and great. Nice. This. So it's, so it's uh, mainstream, I, I feel good. mainstream. Dr. Jehan Marku, as you know, who's on our medical and scientific advisory board, mm-hmm. is on there. So just really a great um, uh, uh, group of people did this, and it's putting cannabis in the scientific world right where it belongs, mm-hmm. with herbal medicine. With herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. We're going to use that as a tool when we talk to these lawmakers, and they're saying, oh, alcohol board liquor license and all of that. We're going to say, no, look, AHP says this is herbal medicine and it's uh, they've got the scientific uh, uh, data to back it up. Yeah, so. that seems to be really the place mm-hmm. where marijuana belongs. Should be. Absolutely. Because it, it doesn't work like a prescription drug. It doesn't no. because, I mean, we know as marijuana users, there are so many strains. They work so independently and differently within even the same strain mm-hmm. would work differently. Mm-hmm in our body types uh, around this table for and us. And in different harvests, different, different impacts, because plants so the change. the people that should yeah. be regulating that are not the FDA no. who demand that it be this way every time you make it, this is how we In herbal it. medicine, it's not like that, right? Because in echinacea, the plant changes. St. John's yeah. wort, the plant mm-hmm. changes and your body changes. So in herbal medicine, it's based on the patient's feedback, on the biofeedback from the patient. That's how you right. determine dosage. That's where I really want to go. That's And I'm really excited about it. It's boring, it's wonky, it's technical. It's a really big right. milestone in the movement for medical well, cannabis. And I, I, we'll, we'll talk more about that as ahead. it progresses, yeah. uh, for sure. Let's take uh, another break, our final break for today, and we'll come back with Steve and kind of, again, go around the horn, go to around the country. Maybe I can get my, my articles <laughs> back here. And uh, s- just a few other topics that we want to talk about, and we'll get your input on that, Steve, as well. So okay. hold on for just a minute. We'll be back. You are listening to the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Upcoming shows to the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Welcome to FYI. It's Dimitri Young here with Robert Fick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Marijuana. Hi, everybody. Crabman's Rock and Roll Revival featuring Frazier Smith is on the air, in your hair, and going out everywhere around the world. I'm Gary Garver, live from the John Lovitz Comedy Club. This is the John Lovitz Podcast Network. Hi, John Lovitz here. It's time to put laughter back into your life. Check out the John Lovitz Comedy Club, located in the heart of Universal Studios CityWalk, Los Angeles, not Orlando. For tickets, go to the John Lovitz Comedy Club.com.
You are listening to the John Lovitz Podcast Network. Hey, hi, we're back. <laughs> we're back for our final segment. Um, we're your hosts. I'm Barry Kramer. And I'm Yamalith Bolaños. I'm Don Duncan from Americans for Safe Access. Dan Gabriel. And with us in Washington is Steve Elliott uh, of Tokesignals.com. Go on to that site and check out what's going on. And Steve, we were talking to you on the break uh, about um, Colorado and its implementation, and you were pointing out uh, a major difference that was going on with Colorado Colorado and Washington. So why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Right. I've been pleased to see that Colorado has been including the medical marijuana community by way of letting medical marijuana dispensary operators become the first license holders for recreational marijuana in Colorado. They already have the expertise and the knowledge of how to dispense cannabis. And it seems that that makes a lot more sense than the way they're doing it here in Washington, where medical marijuana dispensary operators are basically being frozen out of the process. And that new people who haven't actually ever dispensed any cannabis are apparently going to be the majority of the license holders. So you know, the, the cynical side of me says, wow, it really matters who your lobbyists are, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, it's and true. A, and a great thing about uh, the Colorado system of having it go through the, the medical operators is that you know medical isn't going to get lost. Well, you hope. Now, let's let's uh, uh, be cautious here because just because somebody operates a medical marijuana dispensary doesn't mean they have an enlightened worldview necessarily. So what this is is an event. It's a, a, an advantage for the medical operators, and we hope that will carry over to goodwill and sound policy. And I, I, I think it will. But um, you know, uh, that I don't think patients in Colorado should be complacent, thinking, "Oh, the dispensary operators are going to get first shot at this," because that may go well and it may not. You know, right. so it still involves that patient it's participation. Got a better chance. It, it does have a better chance. Have a better chance. Right. I just don't want patients to think, oh, right. we're cool in Colorado. Because you've got to be vigilant with these guys. I've, Always vigilant. I've lost all my articles, so I can't credit <laughs> writing about this. But um, I know in Colorado, one of the things I read was that, you know, they're, pl- they're, they're having about 100 and some, 100 and so uh, licenses that will be given out to sell uh, legally. And uh, it looks like coming starting in January in Colorado when it, this program is supposed to begin, that maybe only five, possibly ten licenses will have been given out. Um, and in reading the article a little bit more, we see that basically they're still a little hesitant about implementing mm-hmm. this program. And what what's holding it up is the bureaucracy of government. Mm-hmm. They're not clearing, they're not giving these licenses uh, to people in a timely manner. They're really stretching the process yeah, out. Which makes it very expensive because you're paying rent the whole time. Very, you know? expensive. Yeah. So uh, that's well, one of the problems Well, you Colorado. know what else is going on in, in Colorado that we, and this is happening in other states where, where local government have authority to, to opt out or to restrict uh, medical cannabis and now cannabis legalization is like Colorado has a wet and dry thing going on. Hmm. The big cities, the urban centers have medical cannabis. The rural areas don't really have access because they don't want it and they've mm-hmm. been banning it because they're Politically speaking, they're not as as liberal and as tolerant right. as say in Denver, right? You uh-huh. know, right. and so and then some of your more touristy locations don't want it because they don't want tourists to be offended or whatever right, right. by cannabis. And so uh, we're going to see, I think, a, a, a separating in, in states where it's allowed. Local governments are going to some local governments are going to dig in their heels and say no. And I'm really encouraged to see uh, up in Oregon that uh, uh, the courts there seem to be siding with the uh, can with the medical cannabis people and saying right. no, local government, you can't. Whereas here in California, the courts are siding with the local governments and saying, yeah, ban it, roll it all back. So these states are going to move in different paths depending on that. And I don't think move, all of Colorado will, will be a legalization state, I think. Right. Big it's cities will have, be a legalization state. Uh, yeah. yeah, dark places. It's going <laughs> to green places and not green places, yeah. but I don't know. But. Um, but as we, you know, these are great experiments. Washington, uh Colorado, all the medical marijuana states that have come on board, um, it's still in the experimental stage. Absolutely. We don't have federal law governing this, you know, as, in a blanket way. And uh, sure we're still experimenting know. with everything. And what I noticed in Colorado, even before it becomes legal, uh, they're doing some tweaking mm-hmm. and un- trying to understand 
what the full impact of legalization is going to mean and how to deal with it in, in local governments. The, they're, it, they're twerking in Colorado? They're twerking. Everyone in Colorado is <laughs> doing the twerk. And uh, one of the things I, I saw was that the Denver City Council has reversed, um, or they were in the process of reversing one of the... Um, one of the... One of the things that prohibited marijuana uh, smoking, uh -huh. and, and that was uh, smoking on your front porch. Yeah. They <laughs> said they, that was not going to be allowed mm -hmm. in Denver. And the local government, the local city, at the, at the 11th hour finally said, some people, smart people, said, you know what? We don't have the manpower nor the money to service complaints from people the saying, oh, my neighbor yeah. is smoking marijuana. That's very practical. Oh, have to, it is a very practical. But it's also like, it's your porch. You should get to smoke marijuana on your porch. I mean, Absolutely. If you're going to legalize this thing. And if you, you want to keep it off the streets, well, guess what's off the street? The porch. Your porch. Right. Right. <laughs> porch yeah. And so basically, uh, that was one thing that was going on in Denver. Another thing that was going on in uh, Denver, I believe, was that the mayor is not so... Uh, um, he never was a, 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 a pro. supporter, mm -hmm. and and he's kind of holding back uh, implementation a little bit here and there. And it's like you know, it's a losing battle already. He's like, okay, this is your porch, but not your steps. Right. Well, what? he wanted no public. No, are we talking smoking? elevator oh, porches? Yeah. So yeah. one of the okay. things again, just to tie this up into a, a broader uh, conversation, Steve, is, is that here <laughs> in Los Angeles, we have voted for um, local legislation in May of this year. Uh, we voted and it was passed. It took quite a bit of money, uh, about a million and a half dollars to mount the campaign to get uh, what was called Measure D passed here in, uh, in Los Angeles, Proposition D. And here we are, we're coming up on January and it is still not uh, being implemented <laughs> mm -hmm. as law. You know, there were supposed to be 135 dispensaries. Now, Practically, that would be very difficult to do, uh, take it down from the 1,000-plus dispensaries to 135 in a short period of time. But what we've seen is not a great support from the local government to, to, to back a law that was passed by a majority of the people of this city mm -hmm. as your law was passed by a majority of people in Washington, as Colorado's law was passed by a majority of people. The, the, the legislatures are not really listening to the constituents, they're still hung up on their ideology. Yeah, Absolutely. that's well, very and, true. And there's not as much money in closing them down. No, of course not. We have to be careful who we elect, right? You know, I they know uh, elect, absolutely. Uh, and that has to do with participating in that process, you it's know, participating in it. Um, um, if I might interject, being careful about who we elect, good news out of yes. California. Mm -hmm. You guys saw this. Uh, oh, this. Robert Jacob uh, has just been elected as the new mayor of the city of Sebastopol. Yay, Robert. Yes, we're so proud of you. He owns two dispensaries. He's just been elected mayor. Sebastopol, if you don't know, is a, is a rural uh, community up in Northern California. Mm -hmm. Very cannabis friendly. And uh, Robert was elected to city council several years back. Um, and having navigated the permitting process for medical marijuana, he's like, man, we can do better. And so he ran for city council and was elected and was just uh, uh, elected by his colleagues on the city council as the mayor of the city of Sebastopol. Man, so how do you like that for mainstreaming yeah, medical cannabis? That's great. But we have a congratulations, yeah, right? And that's awesome, but he's in Sebastopol. It's, hey, it's, oh, first it's the first step. Yeah, it's no. the first you step. Have we have to plot on those things, you know? And truthfully, the lesson, the lesson learned out of that is, you know, get involved. Get, get involved, involved in your local government. Here in Los Angeles, many dispensary operators have gotten involved to try to um, shape it, regulate yeah. and shape it so that it's correct for patient use, for patient advantage, and uh, and patients have gotten involved. The, and and the when you really get involved, you can thing, become uh, mayor of your yeah. city. So uh, stories all over the country about the pot mayor in California. Yes, Absolutely. all over the country. Congratulations to him and, and a good guy too. He's and a, Robert's he's a, a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's really nice. He couldn't happen to a nicer person. Yeah, you know? that's really nice. In Colorado, um, in a uh, look in Larimer County, I have a report that marijuana arrests have plummeted 65%. Now that is nothing to sneeze at. 65% since legalization. Wow. So okay. that is one county of Colorado, but they have said that all those arrests that they used to do obviously were, you know, for for possession. Uh, minor. Could have been big time, right? So yeah. minor. And they said now they just don't have the funding again or the time or the, you know, the, the resources. Okay. And also to, those people aren't breaking the law anymore. To so not awesome. go after mm -hmm. the main guys. You have to go after the main 
people mm -hmm. that are definitely taking our laws that we've fought very hard for and abusing those mm -hmm. laws and we want them stopped as much as anybody so else. We, but, yes. you know, you got to do it in a legal well, way. Well, that's, that's good news. Huh? Yeah, that was good news. Some uh, some interesting news on the uh, on the offing is that the DEA is targeting BHO. I don't know how many yes, of you heard about this, but new, right, right, um, right, uh -huh. they are proposing a new uh, drug code for marijuana concentrates exclusively. I think the explosion of BHO so, so BH, and uh, what does BHO mean for our, BHO our one listener who doesn't know? BHO is butane hash oil. oil. So uh, it's combined with butane, and so anything that it's frankly not the best way. To any concentrate but, uh, that contains cannabis sativa, marijuana, I forget the exact uh, wording of it, any any concentrate they would like to have under this uh, Schedule 1 uh, as a specific it's, it, thing. It's very frustrating because, uh, you know, there's danger in BHO. It's dangerous to manufacture, yeah, yeah. and if it's not produced right, it's not the healthiest stuff in the world. Um, but they're just this isn't a public safety measure. It's masquerading as public safety, exactly. but this is just another tool exactly. to beat cannabis consumers over exactly. the head. Exactly. Wait, I don't get it. At what... What exactly are they? It, only the butane, uh, only the butane a, oils, yeah. and the regular oils are okay, or no? It's confusing. But they what they're trying to really do is make a new yeah. separate category for extracts alone that will allow them to go after the mostly the manufacturers because it's being manufactured so sloppily around the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's another way for them to... Arrest put, people. Arrest people. Exactly. Absolutely. Another tool. Yeah. Uh, if another only there tool. was a DEA party going on, we could, we could talk to them. Let's go. We're going to go downstairs and tell those guys what we think. So okay. we have a few minutes left. One of the things we like to do uh, with, our, with our last few minutes of each show is to bring up a dope of the week. Yes. Um, I don't think we had one the last, last week, time we, we were didn't on. Have one. We ran out of time. Um, but, boy, we found a just a choice candidate this week. Um, I forget where she's out of. Georgia. Georgia. She's well, out of Georgia. Oh, and Georgia quickly before I Don't do get me started on Georgia. Quickly before I talk <laughs> about our dope of the week. Today is Tuesday, and today in Uruguay, they are um, oh, voting. Legalizing. Uh, they, they will be most likely, uh, right now, they're becoming the first... Uh, Hot new country, vacation spot, country to legalize yeah. marijuana. Mm -hmm. That's a great side note, and we'll get more into that uh, on other shows. So... Our Dope of the Week is a Wendy's employee from uh, Georgia. She uh, gave out a, a hamburger meal at the, at the uh, call-in, uh, at the takeout. Wendy's. Yeah. And uh, when the person got home with their hamburger and bit into their hamburger, they had to call 911. They were feeling sick. There was a blunt, the remainders of a blunt, left in the burger. So we find out, oh, it came up, yay. The customer met with police at Wendy's location where she ordered the burger, and the cops claimed that the woman who gave it, who, the, the worker there, immediately admitted that the blunt was hers. And she's just as she dopey as you like According no, to the police, right. she said that she'd been smoking pot on the job and conveniently misplaced the blunt inside the customer's burger, right on top of the pickle. Uh, <laughs> the blunt was taken as evidence. Sieber was arrested for possession, pickle? and oh yeah, she was also uh, fired. Um, immediately, we, she was immediately fired. They, the, 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 one, writer, one uh, the writer, the of this, and this was uh, this is uh, nobody even did the themselves. customer. And then the customer did not order the blunt. No, 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 that was the extra. Because, they didn't you know, even charge her extra for the blunt, the, and she claimed to get nauseous and well, sick. Well, so the blunt like was food poisoning. Uh, the employee misunderstood the term happy meal. Yeah, happy yeah, meal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, whole new, a whole new meaning to happy meal. Um, they spoke to the customers, who says she experienced food poisoning type symptoms after. After the incident, and she had to be hospitalized. Oh, now, yeah. she never took a bite of the blunt. No. She's going to be she a runner-up. She just found the blunt. Yeah, she's she a is a runner-up for Dope of the yeah, Week. Yeah, she's a runner-up uh, for sure. So, so far, <laughs> Wendy's has offered to pay her medical bills, so, and they've even generously thrown in a $50 gift certificate yeah, to Wendy's. So she can get some more free hamburgers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously, sales are spiking at Wendy's all yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> going around there. They're wondering, who did I get the Lucky Willy Wonka <laughs> <Yeah>. burger? <laughs> yeah. the golden yeah. ticket. Yeah. Uh, pickles. <laughs> so, Steve, obviously, we've digressed from our, our <laughs> incredible conversation with you. Thank you so much for coming for on today here. and uh, talking to us. and telling us what's going on in Washington. We're going to keep a, a keen eye out and see what's happening, and hopefully we can have you back to talk about uh, future developments. Uh, Do you have any uh, last uh, thoughts to your people, your patients in Washington, your you know co-advocates? 
It's important that patients and advocates here in Washington let the legislature know that these uh, recommendations are unacceptable. And we are going to have lobby days in Olympia on January 14th and 15th for any patients who care to join us at the state capitol. And how can people get involved in the lobby days? Would they find a, a link to that somehow on tokesignals.com, your website that you write for? Yes, they can. And there is also a Facebook group, Patient Lobby Days in Olympia. Okay, good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you thank once you. again for joining us today. We really enjoyed the conversation with you. And uh, thanks to our, our hosts. And we will be back next week for another episode. Buda vida. Buda vida. You are listening to the John Lovitz Podcast Network. Upcoming shows to the John Lovitz Vodcast Network. Welcome to FYI. <laughs> it's Dimitri Young here with Robert Fick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Marijuana. Hi, everybody. Crabman's Rock and Roll Revival featuring Frazier Smith is on the air, in your hair, and going out everywhere around the world. I'm Gary Garver, live from the John Lovitz Comedy Club. This is the John Lovitz Vodcast Network.